0: This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at NerdyLegion.com. Enjoy the show! It's finally here, the moment you've all been waiting for, the second inaugural episode of the Comics in Black and White Podcast. Uh, I guess we don't usually have a second inaugural episode. I feel like we're still kind of feeling out where this thing is going and everything uh yeah as we told you folks before this was going to be about a once a month podcast and hopefully we'll develop into something a little more often than that but to start with martin and i are busy people you should uh cherish every moment of time that you get with us sure. this is also the month of november this is the week of the blackest day of the year black friday mm-hmm. which is much less black for me now than it used to be me too i managed the uh a mall store for three years that was black this is a cakewalk now. I mean, <laughs> way easier. Uh, but yeah, so it's a, it's a busy time for us. Uh, so it took us a while to be able to get to the second episode. Uh, we both work in retail because uh, we both work for a living because you bunch of jerks won't give us money for what we do. Send us you, money. You take and you take and what do you give back? Well, you Nothing. know what? Actually, one of our listeners, uh Jay, is uh, he wants us to talk about a certain book in particular, and he's going to provide me with a copy of that book to read. Which one gonna... sending you? Oh, God. Oh, uh, Love and Rockets. I don't That's know what specific right. one. I was trying to figure out Love and Rockets, and it seems like a series that rather than being just published with con- continual numbering, it's published as like separate stories is what I gathered looking at it. I had a little bit of trouble getting the beat on it. Um so I could be wrong about that. I haven't actually read any of it yet uh because we haven't sorted that out yet, but we already knew that this episode we were going to be talking about uh t- talking some more about Bone, uh beginning to talk about Usagi Yojimbo. Uh next episode we are going to talk about Rachel Rising mm-hmm. and uh as long as we get it sorted out, the episode after that, we should be talking about Love and Rockets. And what we've decided uh, in this, I, I know this is how I like to read. Um, and Martin, I know that you're more prone to rereading stuff, but I also know that uh, you've yourself with stuff that you have to read for podcasts because you do lots of podcasts with lots of people for some reason. I don't really know why because you really get enough with me. <laughs> but for some reason, you just –
1: You just want more. I just can't get enough podcasting. That's all it is.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's cool because you're doing two good ones with me, so it's okay if you do five crappy ones, but you know. Hey. (laughs) Uh, With other people.
1: What about the one with Nick? That one's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Let's Uh, let's just kick off. How about
0: that? uh, I'm trying to. You just interrupted me.
1: Well, you keep babbling about other podcasts. I want to talk about some damn comics.
0: Well, you know, so do I. So anyways, what we decided after doing the first one, because we were going to do it a little more formulaic, a little more, I guess, book clubby in a way. But you know what? There is a crapload of bone. There is a crapload of Usagi Ojimbo. I want to read all of it, and I want to talk as we go, but I don't want to have to pace myself for a podcast, and I don't want to end up talking about, like, 20 different things in a podcast because we keep on layering on. So... We're going to have a focus of each episode that will probably be something new or something we at least haven't focused on in a while. But as we go, we're going to kind of keep touch and talk about what we've been reading. So this episode, we are going to do our first introduction of Usagi Yojimbo. Mm -hmm. I have in front of me one of the two trade paperbacks that make the entire Fantagraphics collection. Now, how far, Martin, are you in reading the Fantagraphics segment of the usagi saga Uh,
1: i'm done with all that i'm into the dark horse stuff by now
0: okay cool so you've gotten into dark horse now yeah yeah. the last time we specifically (laughs) talked about it, i think you were in the fourth trade or had finished the fourth trade of fantagraphic correct so for everybody who's uh who's new to usagi or just figuring it out i know we've gotten a lot of people reading to usagi just by talking about it Mm -hmm. on the Valley central podcast talking about it in some of the the groups that we have that we talk to people on um you know, we've, we've gotten more people reading Usagi than we've ever gotten reading Valiant Comics, that's for sure. <laughs> so, Usagi Yojimbo is the creation of Stan Sakai. Yes. Uh, the reason I wanted to make this podcast really centered around me getting heavily into reading Usagi Yojimbo. I was reluctant to. Uh, the reason that I finally gave it a chance was I'm a big Ninja Turtle fan, which we'll get to them, but because we love them so much, we're not in a rush. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big Ninja Turtle fan, and I became friends with another Ninja Turtle fan who is also a Valiant Comics fan. That's how I got to know Catherine. Um And we talked a lot about Ninja Turtles, and he was always telling me about Usagi. Then he started making such bold statements like that Usagi is better than Ninja Turtles. Shut your mouth, mm-hmm. Uh But you know what? You can argue it either way, but he has valid points to to what – Usagi Ojimbo is compared to what Ninja Turtles is. Usagi Ojimbo is written by Stan Sakai, drawn by Stan Sakai. It has been going for decades by Stan Sakai. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has had three publishers. It started with Fantagraphics. It was published by Mirage for a brief period, uh, which is why you see Ninja Turtle crossovers, too. Um Which the Ninja Turtle crossovers actually also happened in Fantagraphics before they are published by Mirage. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was a shorter part of it. And then the majority of it is Dark Horse. Uh, Although Fantagraphics is seven trade paperbacks worth of material. Uh, The Dark Horse run is, I don't know, over 20 trade paperbacks worth. It's Uh, a lot.
1: That sounds about right, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um so it's and it's a black and white comic. It started from the black and white boom of the the eighties. Um, you saw a lot of anthropomorphic comics at that time. One of the great things about reading uh this book in collections is that you get four words by different creators and you also get some information from Stan Sakai. So like in this volume he did an introduction to the overall volume, but then as you go through um, you get introductions to each of the like, essentially each of the trades from different creators in, in the comic world. Um, so it's really cool because you get different perspectives. Like, why did these people give this comic book a shot? You know, and I mean, mm-hmm. why did I give it a shot? I was reluctant to. Like a lot of people, it's black and white. You know, when comics are such a visual medium, you're looking for like the biggest bang for your buck, right? Mm-hmm. But that's like saying all you're going to watch is Michael Bay movies because they're the flashiest. But are Michael Bay movies the best? No, there's a lot of much better stuff out there, but it's not going to be the stuff that's just made to catch your eye. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with comic books. Like a lot of the best comic books aren't going to be more eye catching than, you know, the big Marvel event or whatever. But you know what? The big Marvel event probably has no substance to it (laughs) compared to this other stuff. And that's not even a knock at Marvel. That's just honestly what the events tend to be. You know, it's big and it's flashy and it's, you know, it's made to get you to buy a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I finally decided to give it a chance. Catherine sent me one issue of Usagi, which is funny. The funny thing is I didn't actually read that issue. Um, I got the first Dark Horse trade or uh, Omnibus, actually, not trade, not realizing that there were seven trades worth of stuff before that. And then you told me that you got something and it didn't match up with what I got. And that's when I realized that there were seven trades worth of stuff before what I got. So I went back and got those seven. And I loved it so much that I they had a box set that was two bigger paperbacks that collected all of it. And I sold the seven trades I got to somebody else mm-hmm. for a really good deal. I Basically, like I sold it to him for the deal that I got on it. And I got a ridiculously good deal because I ain't no sucker. And, well, we
1: uh, can argue that point, but yes, continue. Well,
0: now when it comes to buying stuff, That's I am true. certainly, I, I like a deal and I find a deal.
1: Um,
0: but, uh, but yeah, so I, I went back because I didn't want to start from the middle. I wanted to start from the beginning. Uh, and I just, I just fell in love with it right away. Absolutely. Uh, just starting to read it. And I'm, I'm glad I started from the beginning because I think if I started later and jumped back, I would have appreciated it. Mm-hmm. But you definitely see in the difference between the, the beginning of the Fantagraphics and the beginning of the Dark Horse, it's had a lot of time for the character to develop. Uh And there's still a lot of development to go after that, but
1: that's... Well, I mean, between between Fantagraphics and Dark Horse is, what, Uh almost 10 years. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Fantagraphics was 10 years of Usagi. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it's easy to be reluctant to get into something that seems like a cartoony or simple style but when you get past those things which is that's the whole reason we're doing this podcast is to get people to look past things and when you look past it and you start to read it the things that used to be a detraction become some of the strong points of it Mm -hmm. so usagi yojimbo is a book that you could call you could call a kid's comic book right like it's pretty darn clean all ages yeah all all ages that's a better description and i think that that's where the differentiation lies Mm -hmm. some people look at it like well that's for kids there's a big difference between all ages and for kids because if it's all ages it can have mature themes but if it's done in a way that it's not graphic it's going to go over a kid's head and there are some things in usagi that are incredibly violent Mm -hmm. but they're not graphic and it really goes to show that like you don't need to be graphic. A lot well, of things
1: I mean you, you, you gotta think about the era that it takes place in. Right? Like yeah. if if you know anything about Japanese history, it was a very tumultuous era. And yeah, it's 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 fiction. There, there there's no samurai rabbits in feudal Japan. But it's um, actually
0: based on history though.
1: But yeah, exactly. It's based on a historical figure.
0: Yeah, Stan Sakai was inspired by like akira kurosawa films Mm -hmm. uh because of reading this i i loved it so much that i actually got some kurosawa films i watched one on netflix um kagamusha but then i really wanted to watch seven samurai Mm -hmm. and watching seven samurai there are some stories in usagi that are stories that were taken from seven samurai they're not it's not like just okay we're doing the film seven samurai in a comic book but it's taking these little like kind of snapshots of characters and then kind of redoing them in the, the the comic book and it like it's really impressive
1: we should do a podcast in that movie
0: yeah I, that might not be a bad follow-up once we get deep enough into usagi to yeah. let's watch this and talk about it yep um but uh it, it's so usagi ojimbo um is it's miyamoto miyamoto usagi is the the rabbit's name right yes um, and I believe it says right at the beginning here, I took notes on it, but my phone's gonna die and my notes are in my phone. But he is based, uh, on Miyamoto Musashi, yes. a 17th century samurai. And when Stan Sakai started doing this, he was actually gonna be starting another book essentially, or another comic strip that was, uh, focused on, like, humans. Uh, and he started this and fell in love with it, and that other book fell by the wayside, whereas this was supposed to be kind of a little, a little snippet. Mm-hmm. Um so, but so this is based on a real person. Usagi is based on a real person. Yeah. But reading this, you just you learn so much about honor and uh and character and you know making the choices that don't benefit you, but they're the right choices. Uh there's a lot of morals to be had here, but there's a lot of exciting stuff, there's a lot of crazy stories. Like I'm starting to flip through right now, and this starts out with uh, uh uh, like a monster story basically mm-hmm. um and going back jumping back to this and seeing who this person was in the grander scheme of things made this story even more impactful because the person who turned into this troll basically uh was the person that betrayed uh usagi's master correct made him a ronin so that's like that's quite a way to start because you read that to start with and it doesn't have like as much of an impact You're like oh this is just a story it's it's pretty cool but then you go back and you're like oh man like that that was such a critical story and it was right off the bat
1: mm-hmm. yeah you know what's interesting too is um that whole first volume that we read for this for this episode even though they're all separate stories and they can be read as, as separate stories you you have like a whole history of Usagi in that trade Right, Because obviously you learn how he became uh, a Ronin. The trade is called a Ronin, by the way, if if you haven't purchased it yet and are listening. Um, I think we mentioned that last episode, right? Because there's a a different volume one with a different name that's different books.
0: Yeah, so the very beginning is Ronin, uh, and it's published by Fantagraphics. What's nice is... The trade paperbacks, like Fantagraphics, publishes one through seven, mm-hmm. but Dark Horse picks up with number eight if you want to get them in the trade paperback size. So it's not restarting when you get to Dark Horse. Dark Horse also publishes the Mirage stuff. They have the rights to that stuff. So yep. you, you don't have three separations of it. Yep. Um, if you want to read it, you can either get the individual trade paperbacks, which you can easily get them on Amazon. I know that, um, that one of our listeners, uh, uh Michael Sparkman got it on eight books. Uh, for like five bucks shipped or something like that. So I mean, you can mm, get a, you can also get a collection of all seven trades or the whole run of fancy Graphics. I believe the cover price of the collection, I think it's $75, but I got it for like 40 something, which for the volume it is, it's like, it's bang for your buck too. Yeah. So it depends on if, if you're committed enough to just dive in that deep, you know, you can go on Amazon or go on in-stock trades and get it for 40-ish bucks or just do it bit by bit if you're not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did it bit by bit and then loved it so much that I wanted the the nicer collection, so I went for that.
1: Yeah, I kind of – well, I purchased the individual trades. Um, I got a bunch from you. Um, I don't remember what we did. Did we trade something? What did we do?
0: Um, you you
1: – No, were, I just bought them.
0: Yeah, I found a really good deal, but I actually gave you like half of them for your birthday.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. I just
0: right. said pay me back for half of it, and the rest is your birthday present for
1: me. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So um, – but yeah, so I got – uh let me see they're right there 2 4 I think 10 or 11 trades from you That's I think you
0: got like 14 or 15 you got a lot
1: is it Yeah you might be right Um I am just trying to figure out about what I have cuz I've got I've got 21 trades of Usagi Um mm-hmm. I got them all separate I got them all on Amazon because I wanted like really good reading copies um, so I paid, I didn't pay full price cause they're not too bad on Amazon. Um, but they still weren't cheap. I think they were like 12 bucks a piece.
0: Yeah, they are, which is why if you really want to get into it, you're better off just to get the better collection, get it from, I, I'm not sure the price on Amazon, but in stock trades, I know they have a p- pretty good discount on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got it from Bull Moose, which is a store here in Maine and you can actually order from them. And they ship for free via media mail if you spend at least like twenty or twenty-five bucks. So if you ordered it from them, it'd be like forty-five dollars about. Mm, that's pretty. Um, cool. And it would be with free shipping. Um, they aren't necessarily the best at packaging it, but. You know, it's- <laughs> Um, if you just send them a message and ask them to make sure that they, you know, package it a little bit better. But this is actually dense enough that it'd probably survive okay anyways.
1: Yep. But I did, I did kind of the same thing you did though. Um, I think we talked about the first episode. The first time I ever saw Usagi was in, uh, in the Turtles cartoon. Mm -hmm. Um, but I never bothered reading the comics. And actually, Usagi had a very short lived, uh, animated series. The, uh, the Space Usagi. Did you ever watch that?
0: I did not watch that and they also, that is a a comic story too. It is. And they are either releasing or have just released uh, a collection of some of those more like peripheral stories, including that one. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm flipping through some of this first volume and this may be going past the Ronin trade. Once again, like I said a little bit ago, uh, we're not gonna, you know, we're we're not gonna conduct this like a, a book club where we're, okay, we're reading this and we're talking about it. We're gonna, Talk kind of in a broader scope in general, yeah. Um, so as I'm flipping through, you see kind of the pattern of Usagi stories, where you get some more lighthearted stories, like you know he meets Jen, who's a bounty hunter, and they'll end up doing something together. You know, Jen, Jen's sticking, my
1: favorite, by the way.
0: Yeah, he's great. <laughs> Jen's um, hilarious. Usagi's sticking to his principles. Jen's a bounty hunter who's after the money. Uh, they. Basically, screw each other over back and forth. Yes. Um, basically, like essentially pranking each other, um, and it's just it's it's hilarious. So they're, you know, kind of action-packed stories, but they're more on the humorous side typically. But there are times throughout this where we see Jen really step up to being honorable because when it comes down to it, Jen is more honorable than not. Correct. You no, know, when when honor is not really in play, he's out for the money. But I, I guess you would say like Usagi's honorable from the smallest minutia to the the biggest thing.
1: Well, and the Jen, di- the difference is that Usagi is a samurai, so his entire life is based on a moral code that he has to follow, right? So even though he has no master now, he he still grew up with that honor code. Whereas yeah, whereas Jen, Jen doesn't have that. Jen's just a good guy.
0: Jen Jen's a samurai also, but he's a bounty hunter. He's not a Ronin, right? Uh, so he basically, you know, you see in this world where there are a lot of Former samurais who don't have a master anymore and there aren't that many that are like Usagi that dedicate their lives to wandering and learning and like still practicing the, you know, the essentials of being a samurai. Mm-hmm. A lot of samurais, you know, they, they didn't really have that deep of a character to them so they're out for themselves once mm-hmm. they don't have a master to serve. So, a lot of them are dirt bags, basically right um and you know Usagi is honorable from the top to the bottom, and you see a lot of other ones in this that are honorable, or you see ones that have you know they're the level of skill and the level of character of Usagi, but they've really gone down a darker path than what Usagi's gone down mm-hmm. um as I'm flipping through I'm in uh, – let me see if I could find his name real quick. But it's the scene where he kills the, uh, like the warthog that was basically ranked above him, um, with his, uh, with the lord that he served. Right. I didn't find his name right off the bat. I, I I'll see if I come across it. Uh, but it's, it, this story starts off. It is, uh, samurai part one, which I believe is the beginning of the second trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it starts off with them having a duel and they're standing looking at each other. And then it shows one of them back and forth. They're not saying anything. They draw their swords. Then it shows, you know, haya. And it shows the movement. And then it shows them back to each other. One panel, two panel, three panels, all the same. They're still in their post-strike stance. There's an example of how repeating panels is to a strong effect, and <laughs> not just as a waste. Yeah. Um, and then in the fourth panel, the word hog drops down dead. Right. And that's because they had a duel, they took one strike at each other, and Usagi won the duel and killed him. Uh, and then he runs into Jen, and then he starts telling the story of that, because he's still honoring this person that he just killed. He's telling the story of, of this person, and, uh, you know, it's a very, you know, it's a longer and very much more in-depth story, and this is where, uh, this is the point where Usagi is starting to be published by Fantagraphics as its own title, and not in, as small stories in other things, which is mm-hmm. how it was originally published.
1: <clears throat> yes, which I, – I, I wish they had a collection of that stuff too.
0: They um, do. That's the beginning. That's Ronin.
1: No, no, no. I'm saying with with the other extra stuff. Oh, oh uh, the stuff that isn't
0: Usagi. Yeah, yeah. The,
1: the extra stories. Um, it's like uh, when, if you try to read detective, old detective stories, you can get like the, omni- the detective omnibus and you know, different versions – um, and it only has the Batman stuff in it. Um, but if you were lucky enough to have find floppies of it, um, the floppies would have you know like four or five different stories. Um, and this was kind of yeah. the same way.
0: You know, I wonder if Fantagraphics publishes that stuff. Uh, if anybody listening knows that and can give us some information on that, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, maybe something that we uh, we explore further in this podcast.
1: Well and really uh, so so one thing I do want to get though is um Usagi number 10 because um, that's the first uh the first crossover with the turtles.
0: Yep, that's one of the ones I'll be getting in the mail probably oh, tomorrow. Oh, you suck.
1: Hell yeah. Yeah, I want to get that.
0: I don't mess around. Yeah, I mean just flipping through this you get some heavy material in this uh in the the midst of the samurai story you get this uh band of bandits um, and, you know, like they have the bandits and like a lot of stuff will look kind of goofy, especially like when people are dying, like a lot of it will look goofy. Yeah, you know, they make really ridiculous faces when they're getting killed. Mm-hmm. But Sakai does that to really clearly illustrate how many people are getting killed. Right. There will be a big crowd of people. And in one panel, he's showing that Usagi moved through this crowd of like 12 bandits and killed seven of them and is like fighting the other five, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and by having the ridiculous death faces, it makes that pretty obvious. But here's a part where it looks like this girl's about to get raped
1: mm-hmm. and
0: there's nothing explicit about it. But like, if you're, if you're mature, if you're an adult, you can look at this and be like, okay, like I know enough about, you know, life. And, you know, even if I don't know the specifics of, of what the world was back then, like this is clearly something that's going to be pretty terrible.
1: Mm hmm.
0: And this is the girl that that Usagi was in love with right that married somebody else, and way later um I hope you've read this I hope I'm not spoiling it but uh it turns out that she had Usagi's child and Correct. raised the child as this other guy's child um which that and that goes to, to illustrate how emotionally heavy some of this stuff is Usagi eventually finds this out, but she basically says you know he's not your son he's I, I don't remember the other character's name, unfortunately, off the top of my head. I'm not usually very good with names, um, but uh, you know, she says it's it's his son. He's raised him, and this would just be confusing to the, the the kid if you stepped forward as his real father. You know.
1: Well, and and so the the main conflict is that Usagi and the guy that she ends up marrying were like best friends as little kids.
0: They were. But they they had, grew up together, but I yeah, wouldn't say but, they were best friends. They well, were I like, think. I think when,
1: when they were when they were young, they were best friends, and as they got older, they became more competitive because um, i think I was trying to think if they served the same uh master god what 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 are they called the shoguns um, if it was the same shogun or not they were supposed um, to
0: go train together, and Usagi ended up going and training with a hermit, whereas this right. other guy went to the school, and then Usagi basically um showed up this whole school
1: right 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 but he didn't the other guy end up going like more into politics than anything else whereas usagi Mm -hmm. was a warrior
0: it wasn't exactly he went into politics he stayed in in the home village he he went back ashamed but usagi's father was the the magistrate of the village and was killed and
1: and that's what he took over yeah
0: yeah his friend took over um and took all the responsibility of everything. So as much as like he's kind of a jerk, he stayed at home and took all the responsibility while Usagi went off. And you know, and it really makes you think about like what's the most honorable thing like staying home and serving your family or serving the Lord. And they made different choices. They're both honorable people, but you see the burden that it bears on each of them in different ways.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah so but he was still a jerk though.
0: Oh, yeah. He he was a jerk. But I mean, if you look at it from his point of view, I mean, he has a reason to be a jerk to Usagi because, you know, he's not stupid enough to not know that his wife loved Usagi. And oh, that, sure. You know, that was a legitimate love. So, you know, something is still there. And it wouldn't you know, it wouldn't be a surprise if he had a an inkling that his son isn't really his, too. Right. And that's why it's so important that, you know, Usagi doesn't take any role as the boy's father. And, you know, they, they can't even recognize that because not only would it be confusing for the child, but it would destroy the, you know, it would destroy this man, too, who doesn't deserve to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, so going through this, I mean, we don't need to talk in depth about everything right now. We'll talk about Usagi more later. Um, there are just so many good stories. There's um, kind of mystical stories, uh, monsters, you know, people transforming. Um, there's... Stories about Usagi defending a lizard.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean,
0: just like the you know stories that really show the level of honor that he has. There's heartbreaking stories. There's a story about um, a mother whose son becomes the magistrate of a town and is completely corrupt and is destroying the town that the father had made great. But the father has died, mm-hmm. has passed on. And the son is is ruining the town and is turned into a horrible person, and the mother kills him. Right. And so she's distraught, and Usagi can't give her comfort because what she did was still dishonorable. And it's just – it's a terribly heart-rending story. Uh, you get the blind swords pig in here uh, who's a very interesting character, just like a kind of a, an old miser master who wants to kill everybody because nobody will allow him to have peace. And uh, great story, great character. Um, you get uh a character that is possessed by something that says that he's uh the tool of the gods and his final task is killing Usagi so that way he can go and be with the gods. Um, but he's just a dark, dark terrible character mm-hmm. with a, a black soul. Um so many I mean this is only even the first half of the Fantagraphic stuff that I'm flipping through, and there are just so many great stories. You learn to love characters like there's these two uh two kind of goofy um uh oh gosh what do they call them I had the word and I just lost it the the two the, the husband and wife that are always carrying the, the bundles of wood
1: Oh yeah. yeah yeah yeah
0: and uh you know it's like that's what they're doing to get by is collecting sticks of wood and selling it to people uh but they're just they're such kind of goofy characters in a way but they're also really simple and honest and you know they're kind of the the barometer they're the the normality in the middle of everything at times, um, but yeah. I mean, looking through this, uh, you know, there, there's always going to be people who are reluctant to give anything a chance that looks cartoonish like this. And for some people, it's just not their taste, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But this is definitely not a kid's book. I mean, there are points in this book where he decapitates people, and although it's not shown gorily, it's shown. And some such simple, subtle things portray such violence. Like one of the things I've seen a couple of points in this is where uh, a samurai will kill. Um, and th- like the one that is presently on my mind, and I think it actually may be into the Dark Horse stuff, is – um, and I don't know. I don't remember her name. I'll have to look it up. But it's the female samurai who dishonorably ran away from her family for the man she loved who was just a piece of trash basically. Yep. Um but then he was uh she learned sword skills to make money performing and then he was killed by um, he, he was a, a gambling addict basically and that's what was destroying their life um, and he was killed by um, like a gambling boss and she vowed vengeance on him and so she became this very skillful samurai who is you know who's out for blood but she kills somebody and then whips her sword and you see the splat of blood it's such a simple thing, it's not gory, like a kid's not gonna get what that means. But that is, it's, it ri it, like, when you know what it is, it's so graphic. Mm-hmm. You know, she just killed him, she has so much blood on her sword that she whips it off and it just goes, Pfft, splatting across the ground. You know, you don't need heavy gore to show what kind of violence is happening.
1: <sighs> so, that is... I, I want to go back to a point you made because um, we we do have at least one friend who refuses to read this book because of the cartoony thing, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that's really unfair to the book because uh, I guarantee you if this person read just one volume of it, they'd be hooked. You know, like I, I when I when I got that first when I got this one, the Ronin, um, I read it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I was working a very long shift that day. And so I had a little bit of downtime. Um, I was actually working overnight that night. But uh, so I read it all in one sitting. But I actually I ended up rereading it, uh, I think, a week or two after um, just to see if I missed something. Um, But, you know, what's what's really good about the storytelling in in Usagi is it reads a lot like um, I don't want to say literature because that's it's not quite that. Um, But it reads a lot like old fairy tales, um, where you have like there's a character with a mission, and then so you have like the journey, the resolution, and then there's some kind of um like lesson that you t- learn at the end. Um, but it's told kind of in a funny way, and every every single story in in this first trade reads a lot like that.
0: Yeah, and you know sometimes it's told in a funny way, like especially with the the stories with Jen. Yeah. Where they're going on a, a bounty mission together, basically. But there are stories that end absolutely heartbreaking with like, there's, there's no lightheartedness, no joy at the end of it. They're just heartbreaking stories. Uh, later on when we get into the Dark Horse stuff, I believe, or maybe it's, it's later on in the Fantagraphics. Next time we, we talk about this, um, I'll kind of brush up on the second half of the Fantagraphics stuff and point out some highlights. But there are some just terribly heartrending stories. Mm-hmm. And it, it really goes to show that, I mean, it's still, you know, imparting a lesson. And that's what these stories are. You know, if, if you look at what Stan Sakai says about them is they're, they're the stories and the, and the morals and stuff like that, that, that are in Japanese culture and, and are part of Japanese history. Yep. Um, and, you know, like the, the story that I said with the mother that killed her son, you know, her son had become corrupt. He was terrible and needed to be killed, but, there's still you know there there wasn't honor in that and like something should have been done sooner so she did what she felt needed to be done but she also was was left miserable because of that there there was no excusing her actions either at that point it's a very very sad harsh ending but it makes you you know really think about those kind of things and you know if somebody goes so awry that you have you know that like ending their life is the the best course of action at that point, like, there's the, – the problem was a lot earlier down the road, you know?
1: Right, right, right.
0: <sighs> but, yeah, there's – I mean, there's just so much weight to these stories, uh, but it's not all just weighty. It's it's entertaining. It's easy to read with a lot of depth to it. Um, it has a very cohesive vision because Stan Sakai is doing the, the writing and the art. Uh, it does a very good job of the writing and art telling the story together. Uh, you know, this isn't like 90s comics that the story didn't matter and it was just about the art. This isn't um, – somebody made the point that, you know, comics in the last decade have really been affected by Bendis and the storytelling has really been put onto the writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think that comics over the last decade have done a better job of telling the story with the art. Without having like without the the writing or the art, either one having to spell everything out for you, and but I think you look at something like Usagi that goes back well before this last decade, and it was doing it way before, right? Because it's masterful storytelling, and I think that's you know, like you said, that the people who won't give this a shot because they're uh, they're prejudiced against the you know the 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 vehicle, you know, the the cartoony nature, the animals. Um this is masterful storytelling, you know, and, and there's so many things that, you know, so many things that are masterful, but like do it in a different way that, that, that they'll accept. But, you know, it's like, they are really missing out on something here. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, you know, it's one thing that it's just not your thing. You don't want to read it, but you know, if you don't want to read it, like you really need to own up to the fact that it's just because you don't want to read it. And, you know i mean when you're hearing us talk about it like the the people we're talking about like we heavily value their opinion and if we're talking about it like this and they don't want to read it like they're choosing to miss out on something
1: you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm.
0: that's cool I and mean, there's plenty of stuff that they know is great that i'm never going to read but i also i'm not going to sit there and say that, that it's anything lesser than what it is when i hear what they're saying about it you know right right so now that we've talked a bunch about usagi We'll talk more about Usagi in the future. I just want to touch a little bit back on Bone. Uh, so the, the second trade of Bone is the Great Cow Race, uh, which I think is kind of an interesting one to talk about after talking about the first trade, which was so crammed of story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just blown away by how much stuff actually happened in that first trade. The second trade, the Great Cow Race, is really a pretty simple story. I mean, you start to get a little details of what's going on in the bigger scheme of things. But the story is really just about the the, the cow race, and, right? You know, uh, uh, gosh. So phone bone is the main protagonist. Phony bone is the the rich bone.
1: Yes, is that right.
0: And then uh, who's the dumb bone?
1: Phony or uh, phone bone. Phony is is the the Uncle Scrooge, and okay. phone okay. is the tall one.
0: So who's the main bone then?
1: Oh, crap. Maybe you're right. (laughs) Hang on a second. Phone bone, phony bone. Damn it. What's the other guy's name? Let's look it up right now. Uh, Smiley bone.
0: There we go. Yeah, so Phone Bone's the the main protagonist, Phony Bone is the Uncle Scrooge character, and then Smiley Bone is the goofy light character. Yep. Um, so anyways, the the great cow race, Grandma Ben is gonna race the cows, this is something she's always done, she always wins. Phony Bone is scheming, which is what got him ran out of Boneville. Mm-hmm. Uh he wants to uh take all the people of uh of this land for what he can. Even though it's not going to make him rich because they only deal in goods. They don't deal in money. Um, he still has to scheme because that's his character. So he's scheming to, to take everybody for what he can.
1: With the mystery um, cow.
0: Yeah, with the mystery cow. <laughs> um, meanwhile phone is fawning over Thorn. Uh, they're kind of touching a little bit on some of the stuff that Thorn is, is remembering some memories she's had triggered. Yeah, you know, the rat creatures are kind of lurking about. They just kind of had a, a big run in with them. Uh, but now it's, they're, they're kind of guarded about the rat creatures, but they're focusing on the cow race. Uh, and then in the big cow race, they end up with running into a pack of the rat creatures, which wasn't expecting to run into the race either. But by the end of the book, it, it basically makes it clear to them that the presence of the rat creatures is much greater than it should be if they're keeping the peace that's supposed to be made. So you start to see that there's some kind of structure to they had a run in with these creatures before. They're supposed to keep their distance. They're going where they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um so you see kind of the the buildings of a, a big conflict or war between you know the, the people of this land and these rat creatures that aren't supposed to be around. hmm Uh so it's 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 very interesting. But I mean the story is Basically, just the story of the cow race with these other details just kind of a little lightly scattered in there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually curious to know, like, how how far have you gotten? You just got the volume two? That's all I've read so
0: far. I've read okay. the whole thing before, but it's been, gosh, probably close to a decade since I read it the first time. Okay. Uh, so it, it, this is, like, as I go through, it's kind of nice because I do remember it as I go, but it's also, like, I do kind of still have that element of surprise. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I haven't read past the second uh trade in the, the omnibus.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm just curious because um, I know that some people have issues with this book um, down the line. Um, like the first volume, I think everyone agrees is, is just really, really good. Uh, but once you start getting into the cow race and then on, I know a lot of people ended up being a little disillusioned by Bone um, because it is just more – a, a Typical common sense story um, than anything else. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Yeah, and I I could definitely see it getting decompressed. Like it seems like the first trade was this, like you know, it's kind of like you see a lot in comics where somebody pitches a story and then they go in and they have a really concise vision for what they want, mm -hmm. but then they do they do such a good job that they get to keep doing it but they've ran out of that vision and now they have to tell for longevity, not to just to tell a really great story. Mm -hmm. So you start to see a decompression and stuff, you know, elements have to kind of be left to give stuff to keep on building upon. So you have to kind of keep leaving loose threads to keep on weaving the story bigger and bigger. So, you know, in, in the second trade, I, it's been so long since I've read on, I mean, the first time I read it, I just plugged through the whole thing, and a lot of times when you read through something really quickly, you don't see a lot of those flaws. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, usually, rereading it, or if you are reading it as it comes out when something is new, both of those things will kind of explode expose those flaws. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, just to go from how compact and how really crammed in that first story was the the first trade to mm-hmm. the cow race that is it's it's the story of a cow race. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you look at just the, the basic structure of the story, it's a very simple story, and they're just kind of starting to give inklings of stuff. It kind of seems like, okay, this was the big pitch for the, that first story, and then he gets to the end, and he gets to keep doing it. So, okay, well, where am I going to go from now? Now I'm going to tell the story of this cow race that they were heading towards. I'm going to stretch that out, and I'm going to start to, like, lay these different threads out so I can weave a bigger story now. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what comes next with the next trade. I don't think we really need to talk uh, any more about it right now. Nope. Hopefully people have been reading on with us some with that. Um, so anybody who wants to follow along with the different things that we're reading, um, Bone, you could buy that one big omnibus. We're going to read through the whole thing and just kind of casually talk about the rest of it until we get to things that maybe really jump out at us or until we get to the point where we both finish rereading it and we want to do kind of a wrap-up on it. hmm Usagi, there is a ton of Usagi left. So we're going to continue talking about Usagi as we read it. Um, and if there are any big points that we want to, you know, have another concise focus on Usagi, we'll do that. Uh, but, you know, we're it's going to be a while before we focus an episode primarily on Usagi. Yes. Uh, so both of those things, if you want to, if, if you've checked them out, uh, you know, keep going on it if you like it. Um, if you haven't checked it out, uh, you know, check it out. If you're interested, if you're curious, ask us questions about it. Uh, you could, you know, find me on Twitter at who's Paul find, uh, Martin on Twitter at geek. Fine. You can email us at hello at nerdy Um, any questions you have, we'll, we'll bring them up on ongoing episodes and it may get us into a deeper conversation on elements of these things or get, get us into a better explanation. So if, if you think you might be interested, but there's something that we didn't hit, you know, send us a, a, a question so we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that may help us better develop the formula of the show, and it may help other people get interested in something that may just be tickling your interest there. Uh, the next episode we're going to focus on Rachel Rising. Uh, I've been plugging through it. We're we're at least both going to read the first trade of it. Yep. I intend to have the whole thing read so you can get through as far as as you end up getting through, but we'll at least kind of kick off Rachel Rising. Um, and aside from the things that we really love, we may not always completely go through entire runs of things a lot of these runs are very long uh but so far usagi bone we're definitely going to go through all those and it probably won't be too far down the road we'll start to get into the original ninja turtle stuff and that's something that will eventually plug through all of that stuff yep uh but any other suggestions people have i know we have other stuff that we want to hit on uh but don't be afraid to give us suggestions of things um and don't worry about if it seems to perfectly fit into the theme of what we're doing. You know, we're comics in black and white, but you can talk about, you know, you could throw out newer black and white comics that you think we should read. You could throw out comics that had their roots in that, that turned into color comics. It's not about those specific details necessarily. It's more about the the theme of things, um, you know, kind of the the, the – the more original ideas, the more concise visions, you know, different things like that. So just throw out anything that interests you. Uh, we've had somebody recommend doing The Walking Dead, which I don't really care for The Walking Dead. I've read <laughs> a couple of trades of it, and I really don't mind doing it for the show either because I don't mind digging into it a little bit more and giving it another shot, at least for the first trade. Uh, yeah, so don't, don't be afraid to throw out any ideas to us. Um, after we do Rachel Rising – we're going to do Love and Rockets because somebody wants us to do Love and Rockets. That's not something I naturally would have gotten to anytime soon. So throw out what you'd like us to do. Give us questions. Give us feedback. Talk to us on Twitter. Talk to us on wherever the heck else you talk to us. If you talk to us anywhere other than Twitter, you already know how to talk to us. So. Just talk to us, damn it. Uh, but until uh, until next time, uh, read up on Bone. Read up on Usagi. Start reading Rachel Rising, uh, Terry Moore is very interesting. He just had a new series start that has one issue out called Motor Girl.
1: I saw that.
0: I didn't read the issue, but I flipped through it and, uh, it, I don't know, there's just something about Terry Moore that, you know, once again, it's a black and white comic and it's, you know, not the fanciest or flashiest art or whatever, but there's just something about the way that he does stuff that makes it easy to get drawn into it. Mm -hmm. and motor girl seems kind of like a a more odd outlandish story and uh i was tempted to pick up the first issue but i think that i'll I'll just wait and get it uh get it in trade when it gets to that point because i I would really prefer to read it as a you know bigger chunk of story and not month to month right yeah so check out terry moore we're gonna do rachel rising to start with uh you may know Strangers in Paradise. Uh we'll do that at some point, I'm sure I've read a little bit of that so far. I've also heard of Echo and I don't really know much about it that he's done, uh, which it wouldn't surprise me with what we've liked so far from Terry Moore if we end up getting into that at some point. But yeah, so until next time, read up on that stuff. Enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh by the time the next episode comes out, you may have already enjoyed the Christmas holiday. <laughs> Uh, Touché. because we'll probably be pretty busy between now and then, and then after that hopefully it'll be a little bit easier for us to do this a little bit quicker. Yeah,
1: after New Year's.
0: Yeah, it'll get a lot easier then. Yep. Alright, so everybody, go read some black and white comics. Good night.